Do you like sports? Yeah. Do you like beer? Yeah. Well, the perfect podcast exists for you. Tune in every Monday as I, Jordan, stacks on stacks on stacks, lats. And me, Big Ball and Ben Larson, as we recap the weekend sports, preview upcoming games, and review quality craft brews on the Taproom Sports Podcast. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcast fix. Visit taproomsportspodcast.com for more info. In trouble in the backfield. Watch the throw now. He's going to go deep. And I mean deep. And I mean touchdown, Florida! Rifles are right for the off to Abdul Rahman. At midcourt, extra pass. And it goes for the win! The three-pointer by Jordan Poole! Troy Smith, flush. Tim Shaw giving chase, reverses his field, got a block from Pittman, going deep, got a man in the end zone, touchdown, Ohio State! Yo, 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 welcome everybody to the program podcast, college sports podcast brought to you by MyBookie. Do yourself a favor, get a head start, sign up today with promo code TAPROOM and get your first deposit matched halfway up to a thousand bucks. That's free cash credited to your account instantly on top of your deposit, bet, win, and get paid at MyBookie. I am your host, Jordan Stacks on Stacks on Stacks Lats. Here with my co-host once again, we're getting ready for March Madness, the Don, Mr. Brian Lewis. What's going on, Brian? Uh, it's been, you know, it's an entertaining week. Um, Has. Bad luck for the New England schools. Northeastern and Bryant both lose. Providence loses to DePaul. Um, BC still doesn't have a, a head coach yet. And, uh, well, you love them Providence Friars, dude. Hey, Providence is, is probably the closest Division One school to my house. So that is probably the bias. Plus, my friend's brother is a graduate of PC. Okay. Went right. to the national title game when they won the two national hockey title games. So he actually f- traveled for the Frozen Four for that. So that was sick. <clears throat> nice, man. My favorite so- Frozen Four. I'll, I'll make one college hockey remark before we go on. The All best right, Frozen boys. Four final i ever seen. It wasn't even that BCBU matchup a couple of years ago where Eichel choked it in the end. It really comes down to, and that was the Johnny Gaudreau versus Eichel, by the way, that game. But um, the Quinnipiac Yale, the battle in New Haven, that was a really, that's a big rivalry down there. Um, okay. And New Haven's a fun traditional town. That's a, it's a nice little rivalry, and that was a hell of a game. It ended two one. I think the game ended in two one. It was good. it was dope. <clears throat> nice, dude. Yeah. Uh, you know, personally, I'm from the West Coast. We don't even have college hockey out here, Brian. It's, it's all club play out here. It's not even uh, NCAA regulated. <laughs> well, it's kind of like it's tough because, like, you look at all the even the public schools up here get Division One prospects from time to time. So it's like it's not just the the private schools that like everybody thinks of, like Charlie Coyle or like you know the Jack Eichels who were like groomed from the time they were ten to be yeah. like NHL players out of like you know with the Boston accent kind of guys or Keith Yandel or um, I'm sure if you remember the yesteryears of the guys like Keith Kachuk or like. Uh, there's so many names of those BU and BC guys I can go down the list. Gianta, yep. you know, uh, Berard. I mean, there's just so many of those guys that they, they're all over the NHL. That's for yep. sure. And I know one of my favorite Boston athletes ever, um, him and Drew Bledsoe, Joe Thornton, you know, they kind of get thrown in the muscle a little bit because, you know, that was when Boston fans were humble. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. 
I can't diss the hometown that badly, but that's when they were humble. Uh, I don't ever remember Boston fans being humble, but <laughs> that's here nor there nor anywhere. But you you were on yeah, to something. You alluded to something earlier. You know, this has been a crazy week. So before we get on, I just want to let's uh, let's run down the conference uh, attorney champions that have already been crowned. So the Atlantic Sun, Atlantic Sun, we have the Liberty Front Flames. God, I can't even talk right now. The Ohio Valley, we got Moorhead State Eagles. The Big South, we have the Winthrop Eagles, who I think is honestly one of the best small school teams we're going to talk about. Missouri Valley, uh, Loyola Chicago Ramblers, you know, they're back at it, back in the tourney again, and they're another great small school team. Sunbelt, Appalachian State Mountaineers, that was a huge upset. The Southern, UNC Greensboro Spartans, Horizon League, Cleveland State Vikings, the NEC Mount, Mount St. Mary's Mountaineers, the CAA, the Drexel Dragons as a six seed. And congratulations to them. You will get to play Gonzaga. <laughs> and Mount St. Mary's is a four seed. Now, keep in mind, the team that Mount St. Mary's beat in the final was a Bryant University team that was number two in that conference and also came off a 30-point victory the night before. So Crazy, talk about, man. you know, everything falling off the table for Bryant. And Bryant's, Bryant was very dominant in Division Two basketball. So, like, in New England, it was them and Bentley University. They were, like, the two legit Division II programs. Yeah. And you know what? Brian's been in D1 in three sports, um, which is, like, lacrosse, basketball, and football. And in football, they're in FCS. And they've managed to be competitive in all three sports in the last five years. So, I want to give uh, Bryant University a huge shout-out, uh, the athletic department. They've done a hell of a job building that. And they were realistic with their goals, too. Um, yeah. UMass football needs to take notes. <laughs> you mean they? You mean they weren't trying to compete with the the Penn States of the world up there? Well, the thing with Bryant, it's like you know how some of these small, and we'll talk about what this with Winthrop too. So because of their they're a smaller population school, and never mind they advertise as a small campus. That's the allure that what they that's how they draw students in, right. and their populations are mostly like you know kids from small schools. Now Bryant right. obviously is a huge business school. I mean, as far as New England goes, like. If you take the Ivy League schools and the obvious Boston schools out, Bryant's probably one of the top 10 business schools in the Northeast. But with that being said, that's a great reputation for them to have. And that has allowed them to get some transfers from some of those other mid-major conferences, kids that were from New England that are coming home. And that's been a big problem for the Northeast for for a long time. Massachusetts, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Rhode Island have always had private school talent that have gone to places like Kentucky, Kansas. Or, um, well, I mean, those blue bloods they dominate, and obviously, I mean, Nerland's Noel, Coach Cal. I mean, his favorite player growing up, his dad's favorite player was Marcus Camby. So, I guess that's kind of like you know what I mean. So, there's a little bit of an alert there going to the guy to oh, Coach yeah. Camby. I get that with Noel, but some of these other guys, like you know, they left home because I think a lot of the times they see what happened with Chris Heron, and I know it's a little close to home for a lot of people up here in the Northeast, but you saw what happened with him and even some of the other BC players that didn't pan out that well. You're like, well, right. staying home doesn't help these guys. And there have been yeah. plenty of local examples as well, especially on the football side. When Adazio was coaching BC, like the local yeah. kids, they were playing, but they weren't like part of the culture. It was weird. I feel like a lot of uh, a lot of areas, it's it's tough to keep kids in state, um, especially like really close to home. You know what I'm saying? Because obviously there's a lot of outside influence and stuff. But I mean, obviously, you know, what happened to Chris Heron is like, you know, tragic as far as you know, his addiction and, and his mental state. Yeah. So can't, can't blame everything on him, but 
I mean, it's tough out there, dude, because like you said, like, if you're a basketball prospect, you want to be on national TV often. And like Kentucky can provide that. Duke can provide that. North Carolina and can since provide the Big that. East, and since the Big East disbanded, which is around the time that Heron hit the NBA when the Big East started going down and football became the priority, you know, a lot of those local kids went to the ACC schools. That was where yeah. the predominant, and even the Big Ten, they were even football prospects like Jordan Todman when he was coming out of high school. Um, just something I, I watched him play at Dartmouth high school, literally five feet from me. I competed him against in track. He smoked me. So, <laughs> you know, Todman's a good dude, but, um, he had Purdue. He was getting recruited heavily by, um, by Purdue. He was getting heavily recruited by Michigan state. Um, you know, a lot of the big 10 schools were in him. you know, yeah. BC, BC wouldn't touch him. UConn obviously is where he went, Randy Etzel. Um, but I mean, if Randy Etzel didn't just take that UConn job, in the last six months of his recruitment, does he go to UConn? He probably doesn't. He probably goes right. to a, a school far away. So that's really like what it comes down to for a lot of people. And the recruiting is something we can touch on in further episodes. But like, I think that's where if actually a lot of these small schools succeed based on the way they recruit. Now, for schools like Bryant, having a transfer is very devastating. For schools like Winthrop, having a transfer is devastating um, because you lose one roster spot and it's going to be harder for them to fill in that spot, especially with them being a lesser known school, unless mm-hmm. you get a transfer that's willing to bet all odds and say, you know, what, I'm going here to play. Yeah, Maybe with the new transfer rules that has started to happen. And that's what I was hoping would happen. I think that's the best way to save college basketball because some yeah. of these blue chip guys that stack and then you get other blue chip guys that stack and eventually you go, well, I'm going somewhere else to play. Well, that's, I mean, that's the AAU you, uh, world of today dude like these guys all seem to go play with their aau teammates and shit i could go on for a whole hour about aau and its corruption <laughs> but right you know we don't want to do that tonight i mean i just want to mention any... to uh oh sorry brian go ahead yeah i mean tyson chandler's hbo interview with brian gumble that's if anyone wants to talk about the aau problem listen to tyson chandler's point of view he was in it and he's against it Yep. And obviously he didn't no, put his kids in it. His kids are teenagers. They're like 14, 15 years old at this point. Hard to believe because I remember him as a young player. But um, <laughs> I've been a fan of his game for years. But he's not having his – if an NBA player is not having his kids go to the AAU system and neither is Braun, it looks like, and to an extent. Braun's doing like his own thing, obviously. Then again, that's LeBron James. So that's a different story. But like if NBA players are spoken out against it, imagine how normal people probably feel about it. Yeah, and hopefully that uh that league that overtime starting for sixteen to eighteen year olds and getting paid and stuff will like eliminate that AAU corruption. You know that's what it should do. And like you were talking about, we were talking about this off air. You were saying like you know this is similar to how you know soccer is done in Europe, and that's a prime example. Like that's how it should be. Like those academies. I'm if yeah. basketball were to look at soccer, and obviously there's a lot of things about soccer that are corrupt and the reform hooligans podcast covers it we actually did our last episode barca gate which was uh a lot we covered basically the red cards all the red cards we gave out in soccer last week oh my gosh we were down to like six on six (laughs) it was pretty (laughs) but um yeah i mean if if basketball can kind of go down that route now the mls obviously doesn't really have any interest in adopting that strategy which is why they suck as a league but (laughs) and even as a soccer fan i admit it um, well, the problem like, is they're, they they can't afford to get the the top quality players. Well, that salary cap is forced, and I think what's going to end up happening, and that's what the thing is with like my my problem with I, I'm an anti salary cap guy in all pro sports. Like I to agree. me, the markets should the free market should reign. Yep. 
I'm not coming off as wrong and polished. That's just the way it is. In sports, you let the free market reign because eventually the middleman, the middle of the business always screws out in a salary cap. Yeah. That's how it always is. Unless it's the NBA because then that middle guy is getting paid too much and it ends up hindering uh, franchises. (sighs) Yeah, I mean... Which then... Which then makes teams a little bit more afraid to give that contract to a similar player. And that's exactly exactly. like for every auto porter, you could have a Jalen Brown. Like you could have one contract that doesn't work out at all. And one contract that actually might now be an underpay as scary as that sounds. So on green 25 mil a year. But then you look at Christian Wood, (laughs) you know, I I, I mean, he got hurt this year. Like who knows how he comes back? You know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, I just love the confidence on him. Like yeah. the way he's been playing the last 18 months, even like before he got to Detroit, like he was starting to figure it out. True. Right. And then once he got to Detroit, he got the time to play. And I think that's where a lot of these like small school kids actually, that's why I think a lot of these three, four year college kids are like, they don't made that get draft in the NBA high, but they're still very good role players. One guy that comes to mind right. is Brogdon. I loved Brogdon. I was a huge fan of his game. I have a lot of respect for Tony Bennett of Virginia yeah. and the guards out of that system, even Ty Jerome, which I know he's not really near the same talent in the same degree. But, I mean, when you get guards like that, they make Kyle plays happen. Jalen Brunson uh, is another example. Uh, Brunson Villanova. Right, right. But, I mean, just point guards of that nature because right. they kind of play similarly. But, I mean, look at Brunson in Dallas. He's productive. Yep. Um, Very productive. I mean, he was I mean, also a couple national player of the year in college. <laughs> right. But, I mean, he didn't get picked like he was, though. So, well, that's the he's thing. Like it's 5'10". Like, well, yeah, but I mean, it's almost, it's, it's, in and of it's, even if he was like 6'2, you would see like, well, even being a college junior is kind of a penalty. Like, I feel like Steph Curry was penalized for being a college junior when he was in the. Well, draft. I also, I also think that the NBA, especially teams drafting in, uh, in the lottery, I think most of them are like looking towards the future rather than, you know, the short term. And well, so they shouldn't do it this year. They should pick talent there's a lot yeah, of talent well i think it's moving towards that you know what i mean and i think you know like curry's draft for example i mean were you gonna take a blake griffin who was like 610 average a double double in college right he was the best player in college basketball that year yeah easily and curry was curry was one of the best college players i've ever seen too you know what i he mean was. and like i i do think that you know, some NBA teams to put, do put too much weight into the age because they're like, oh, I'd rather take a guy that's 19 than 22, you know, just because I get could get an extra three years. But what if that player never even pans out? Right. And as opposed Man. to you get a three-year college player and they have a role. Yep. And they can you come know, in and, like, they're more mature already. Because, I mean, look at how you were when you were 19 compared to 22, right? You're right. I mean, well, not, I'll make, I'll make like a football example. But... I'll make a football example before we get back in the NCAA tournament. I mean, look at Jalen Phillips when he went to Miami. You put him in a defense where they tell him exactly, okay, this is what you need to do at this moment. It might just be a coaching thing for him. And Quincy Roach, too, when he went from Temple to Miami, completely different defense. And yet they were both as productive as Russo was the year before. So yeah. it's like, and Russo was a guy that came out of nowhere, too. He was a guy who was hurt as a freshman. They right shirted him. They didn't know what to do with him. Next thing you know, boom, he has that big season. Yep. Now, all three of them might go in the first round. <laughs> so, yeah. like, just think of that. Like, I mean, Roach might not be. But, like, Phillips is definitely a first-round prospect. But I think the point is it's, like, sometimes you get guys in the right place at the right time. And certain guys, certain coaches, I mean, this is where I think in football, I would say the assistant coaches and the, the position coaches play more of a factor. 
um, especially at Ohio State, because I can tell you some of the hires have been away. It's impacted some of the way those players have mentality wise. So, right. but that's what works for these kids. I mean, they're young kids. They want someone they can trust and believe in, you know. Yeah, and you can't stuff to blame. I mean, I mean, <clears throat> all right. Well, let's uh, you know, let's talk, let's hop back into basketball. We, we kind of got off track there a little bit, but that's what we do. Um, and and before we started talking, this this USC game is coming down the wire. We are recording this on Thursday night, and USC is playing Utah. So if you hear me yell or say something crazy, just know why. You know, I'm getting a little getting a little nervous over here, Brian. Wearing I don't overtime. blame you. I mean, Utah is not a team you want to play with. I'm paying attention to that Texas, Texas Tech game because, you know, as I, I mean, I don't want to be, I didn't want to give um, Shaka like bad voodoo or anything. It's just like after seeing what happened with Tom Herman and that athletic department and those donors are pissed. Let me tell you, yeah. Texas donors are mad. Like for them to go out and try to defend, you know, the fight song the way they did means that like they're not winning enough. They have to complain about something. So like something. You know, and it's not like the baseball programs like sweep in the College World Series either. So obviously, so it's perfect you bring up Texas. Back. Let's hop into the Big Twelve Conference tournament. So <clears throat> today, West yeah. Virginia beat Oklahoma. I mean, I'm sorry, Oklahoma State beat West Virginia. Derek Culver barely barely even played. Uh, he was. They said he had an illness. I hope it wasn't COVID, and he was out there playing. So we we saw what happened to Duke today too, and we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, <clears throat> Baylor beat yeah. Kansas State. Uh, Kansas beat Oklahoma and Texas and Texas Tech are playing, and I believe it's 66 to 61 right now. Right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, six, yeah, they're 61 66 with uh, they're in the, the second half right now with three minutes left. So, depending on how that game shakes out, we're looking at a semifinals of West Virginia versus Baylor and Kansas versus either Texas or Texas State, or I mean, Texas Tech. We or you picked Baylor to win this conference, right, Brian? They didn't look that good against K State, though. To be fair, they didn't. They were twenty point favorites, and they barely even won the game. That was pretty crazy. But I mean, what do you? How do you think this shakes out with Oklahoma State and Baylor? Because Oklahoma State's a hot team right now. We're talking very hot. They beat West Virginia without Kate Cunningham. Came back and beat West Virginia with Kate Cunningham. So now this is a team that is just rolling right now. Do you think this is the worst team for Baylor to see right now, or do you think Baylor just steamrolls them? I think any anytime you play a guy like Cade Cunningham, who you have to kind of focus on, it allows other guys, which obviously Oklahoma State's a solid basketball team without Cade Cunningham. They've looked good in some of the games. Even the games like Cade, and we've said this very early on a couple episodes ago, Cunningham had a game early in the season where I swear he only had like nine points, but he still had like eight rebounds, seven assists, and he didn't turn the ball over in that game. Which was something I was he stunned. Figures out like, ways to be productive. He's like a point guard version Anthony Davis, almost. Like it's it's kind of weird. Like there's not one part of the game where he doesn't contribute in. Yeah. Uh, if I had my now, obviously, for about twenty NBA teams, he should be the number one pick. But those other ten should consider Mobley really hard because they need bigs desperately. But I mean, Cunningham's the kind of player you can play him anywhere at the one through three and. He could probably be at the worst a six man right now. Yeah. For pretty uh, much anybody. I mean, we'll talk about Mobley when we get to God yeah. damn it. I'm going to double <laughs> OT. Double OT. They let Utah uh, hang around too long. Uh, no, I mean they I, had a six I agree point with you, lead dude. with three minutes left. So dude, they can't shoot free throws. They cannot shoot yeah. free throws. Like 
We'll get into USC in a minute, though. We got to focus on the Big 12 here. So, Baylor. But Kansas, though. Kansas has looked better. Kansas we called them out a couple weeks too, ago. Dude. We called them out the last two weeks, and all of a sudden, you know, now they're looking like old school Kansas. They like, did almost blow a 23-point lead tonight, though. Yeah, that's that's kind of been – that's been the way they've been this year. <laughs> they kind of, and o- and like Oklahoma the on the flip side, too, Brian, Oklahoma has been playing like shit. Yeah. The Big 12 is weird. It's a, such a weird conference. It's such a gauntlet. So this it's is almost like boss. when you watch – yeah, go ahead. This is on, on the Kansas and, and who they might face. So if they face Texas Tech, I think they win. If they face Texas, I think they lose. Interesting. Because I think Texas, Shaka Smart seems to uh, – because they, they beat Kansas both at Fog Allen and in Texas, and I feel like Shaka right. Smart just, like, has them down to a T, whereas Texas Tech, I think uh, Kansas and Texas Tech are very similar, where they could – Texas Tech could play right them. into Kansas's hands. Yeah, I remember a couple of years ago when Kansas had like uh, some big home winning streak. I think they had the Big 12 record for most home wins in a row at that point. It was like 40 or 50 something, and Tech beats them by 10. That was uh, the Jericho. That was also, yeah, that Texas Tech team was really fucking good. That was a really good team. <laughs> that was a really good team. But even then, like Beard has always aggravated Bill Self. Yeah, great coach. And even with Shaka Smart, like you look at what he's been able to do at Kansas this year, it's it's been kind of like a long time coming. Like that's, that's momentum at least. Yeah. But with Texas, it's almost like, you know, can they get a string of game? And this is really what makes the NCAA tournament magical. It's like, who can get the string of games together, getting everybody clicking at the right time, right. And, you know, cause it's, a, it's, a, it's, it, that's what makes the, that's why people love the NFL playoffs so much. It's one game and you get, that's one stab and we got, you know, so see it every year. I mean, we see a right team now, just get scorching hot. Right. Like right now, I mean, there's going to be a team in another conference we're going to talk about, and they're on fire. They have, you know, one player makes a difference. So I think with right now, I'm putting my money Oklahoma State. If anyone's going to beat Baylor, if that, if anyone's going to beat Baylor, it's Okie State because Cunningham is just cutting. You're never out of a game with him. You know, sometimes it's just better to be hanging around and then striking in the end. Villanova knows something about that. Yeah, but Villanova, Kansas. I mean, we'll get to Villanova in a second, yeah, too. That's, but, but that's what kept Kansas on top of the Big 12 for a long time. You know, even when they were vulnerable, they were still in it. Yep. And, then and I think they still the are in it now, dude. I think they have a a very good team, Baji having a great year. And he's a he's the kind of guy that can, like, take over a game sometimes. So I, I think Kansas has that player. Um, I, but I agree with you. I think Oklahoma State could be a dangerous team, and we're going to see – we're going to learn a lot. I think we're going to learn a lot about Baylor and Oklahoma State in this game. Is Oklahoma State good enough to beat those great teams? Because they haven't been good versus Baylor this year. And well, Baylor's Baylor – If Baylor plays the way they did against Kansas State they, – They're beatable. Te- I mean, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, and Texas have a shot. That's all I got to say. The thing that that's that's most scary about Baylor though is they shoot the three the best in the NCAA, and yeah. so if they get if they get hot, bro, it's lights out because they play they play elite defense too, and if they if they're shooting forty percent from three, which is what they've shot all year round, you know they're gonna there's I don't think I think the only team that could probably beat them is Gonzaga. I think those are the two top teams and. Michigan's been very vulnerable, and we'll get to them later. But 
Uh, Illinois, I'm not sure of. I'm unsure I'm s- how Illinois. Like, I, that would be a fun matchup. I, I would, I would enjoy that. I don't know how that game would go. Illinois yeah. and Baylor. Yeah. Baylor already waxed them. Yeah. They beat the shit out of them. Well, even if they year. play them, like it's what, I, yeah, like this. Even if they play them the second time, neutral site, like different environment, you know, March. If they play, it's going to be in like the Elite Eight or the Final Four by that point. With the way the seeding's going to go. So I wonder yeah. how that would. I wonder how different that's going to be because I mean Illinois might be a lot more confident now than they were then. So you're but taking I mean, ba- that, or you're taking Oklahoma State to win the rest of the Big Twelve team? I mean, I'll, I'm not changing my Baylor pick, but if anyone's going to do it, Okie State definitely can do it. Yeah, I like. Uh, oh my god, this Texas game's coming down the wire too, Brian. Uh, I like Baylor. T- I like Baylor. I think they're going to win. All right, let's move on to the Big East, dude. Um, this we had a huge upset today. Georgetown beat Villanova, the number one seed in the tournament. Uh, Seton Hall beat St. John's. Creighton uh, beat the dog shit out of Butler. And who won that Connecticut deep ball game? Is this still going on? I mean, UConn was up big. Actually, yeah, yeah they, they got the 94-60 final. They were up yeah. big earlier. So we, oh, got, uh, we got UConn versus Creighton, and we got uh georgetown versus seton hall so either seton hall or georgetown's gonna be playing in the big east championship (laughs) old school times man so who do you like in this one right now i know you like xavier coming into this and you jinxed them because they fucking (laughs) didn't win so who do you like who's left in this who do you think is gonna come out on top i feel a little deja vu in stores connecticut right now with uconn um I don't know what it is. You know, I Hold thought on, this dude. was like, I thought this was like some Jim Calhoun thing. Like, you know, just pull like an eight game stretch and then turn it into like some tournament magic, like in 99 or have like a juggernaut team in 04 or like the last who in 2011 with Kemba. No, no, no. Dan Hurley, Dan Hurley. But the thing was what Connecticut shouldn't surprise anybody. It's just how fast he was able to do it. Cause UConn seemed like such in a dark place when Kevin Ollie got dismissed from there. And all of a sudden, Dan Hurley, who has experience in the Elite Eight, he took a URI team that had really good guards, by the way. Really good right. guards. And they got to the Elite Eight and played an Oregon team that was just a bit better down the stretch. Took me a long time to admit that. <laughs> it took me a lot of years to admit that. So Dan I mean, Hurley has the experience in big games, and I think that's where UConn might have that advantage for them, too. So that's why they could probably win the division and make a run. They can definitely make a run in the tournament. Since Beaumont's come back, they only, they've only lost one time, and that was to Villanova, who at the time still had Gillespie, obviously top five team in the country. So, I mean, they've been rolling, dude. Like, it would not shock me if UConn won the Big East tournament. I actually – I might consider them the favorite going into, going into uh, the rest of the weekend – because of the fact how good they've been with Beaumont, and this this is a dangerous team to be facing in the in the NCAA tournament because they're if they win the Big East, they'll probably get like a four, maybe a five seed, right? Um, depending on how the committee looks at it, because if they if they take into account like UConn with Beaumont and without Beaumont, I think UConn could easily if Beaumont ever went out, UConn could easily be a two, maybe even a one seed right now. Yeah, like if he played the entire season. And never mind the fact that they were able to have like one or two other recruits that were academically ineligible and ended up right. going a different way. And also that G League, too. They did lose yep. a kid in the G League. I think Kaminga was going to go to UConn, which is such a shame. <laughs> I was going to look forward to watching a lot of that. But like, 
it's all right. But I, again, like Dan Hurley has taken you are, he took you all right to the tournament twice, sweet 16, one year, elite eight, the next, I think that's what makes this UConn team even deadlier is that UConn for some reason always ends up getting good coaches. Even Kevin Ollie wasn't, I mean, Kevin Ollie was not a great coach, but Kevin Ollie still won a national championship. So it, it's crazy to me, but I think with UConn, like obviously if the fans at home are going to support them. UConn is a basketball school bleeding through. And it's good that the Big East is back and UConn's back. That, that, that's what really we should be happy about. The, the simple things in life have returned. <laughs> that's all. I mean, it would be better if Georgetown were at its peak and hopefully Chris Mullen and Patrick Ewing can, you know, we can get St. John's and Georgetown matchup in the future. Syracuse, right. is, no, we don't want Syracuse back in the Big East. They can stay in the ACC. All right, so we... We writing, we writing UConn. So let's hop into the ACC real quick. I've seen this before. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> True. So let's hop into the ACC. So tomorrow we have Virginia versus Georgia Tech. And we have Florida State who won on default because Duke had a, co- a positive COVID uh, test. And right. they are going to be playing North Carolina, who is hot, 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 hot right now. They might be one of the most dangerous teams to face right now because they have the talent, just very right. young. Now, you know, they seem to be um, playing really well. So how do you see this tournament playing out? Because, I mean, this North Carolina-Florida State game, Brian, this, could, this is a big game. Big matchup on every front, on the, on the, on the bench and on the court. So here's the thing with Florida State. That, that default game might end up actually end up being a disadvantage because of – like Carolina's feeling themselves right now. They're like us yep. against anybody. That's the way yep. they're playing right now. Like that same thing with UConn. Like they'll just hey, we're gonna play whoever we're gonna play, and that's it. And that's what makes Carolina deadly. Now Duke being out is a real benefit to Carolina because another Duke Carolina ACC title game where Carolina loses would be horrible. Um, but I will say is that I, I am think rooting. Duke would have lost to Florida for, State today. Yeah, I think so too. I am rooting for Florida State to win the ACC, obviously. I feel like from top to bottom, they're kind of a very balanced squad. Like, even at their worst, I feel like they're still the better. The, if every team played at their worst in the ACC, which I know is a horrible barometer, but just an example, like I think they're the best because of what they can do on both ends of the court. UVA is a definite second, and um, that's that's the two best teams, but Carolina could easily just continue the momentum and get going. So, so I think – I think Virginia is definitely the best team in the ACC, top to bottom. Um, my biggest concern with them is, like, you know, today they let fucking Bayheim's kid just fucking light them up from three. And that kind of worries me because Virginia is usually very good defensively, right? Like, they yeah. they usually hold teams under 50 points. And, they, and Syracuse has been playing well, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, they were really – that was a tough battle, dude. You know, they scored over 60 points, and i that's a game that I didn't expect that would play out like that. However, you know, Virginia's going to be playing Georgia Tech, who I think they're going to throttle tomorrow. And then I think this Florida State-North Carolina game, this is where the ACC really comes down to because I think if Florida State wins, Virginia wins the tournament because Virginia can really lull uh, Florida State into their kind of game. I feel like both of those teams struggle to score, but I think Virginia is a better – scoring team than florida state whereas north carolina they want to go up and down you know they play a pace that nobody else really plays like they want to they play defense they want to get turnovers and they want to get out on the break get rebounds get out on the break even made baskets they're pushing it up the floor 
my biggest concern about North Carolina is Caleb Love. This kid cannot fucking shoot for shit. He's like, every time I watch a game from him, he's like two for 10, two for 12. I can't believe they won 81 to 73 and he was two for 12 tonight. One for seven from three. If he plays like that against Florida State, Florida State's going to win this game. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 almost like it's frustrating when you watch guys like that because when I think of two for 12, I think of all the average jump shots that like – Go that just rim out and even the contested shots too. That's what drives me up a wall with some yep. dudes. But um, I don't know. I mean, with Roy Williams on the bench, I mean, if he's if he's allowing these UNC kids, if he's allowing his kids to just let it fly and just take shots freely, then I guess they can live and die like that. But I mean, you know, eventually you're gonna have the same problem that John Beeline had at Michigan. Like eventually, you know, the shoot shoot at will. Brian, no. I have an update real quick. I don't mean to interrupt yeah. you. Texas no, over Texas Tech, 67-66, final score. That's a big win for Texas. Huge win. So they will be playing Kansas tomorrow. For a third time. And I'm not sure you're ready for this update, but USC won in double OT. There you go. That's good. Let's go. So, I mean, I picked USC to win the Pac-12, so, like, you know. That would be a good thing if they actually went through with it. Um, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. I mean, UCLA, man. Just Sorry, dude. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I had to get that news out because we are mid-recording and we're talking about these tournaments. That was a big game. That was a big game. I mean, that's a big win for Texas. Uh, they need, one. you know, for Shaka Smart, the resume, you got to get this team ready to get big wins in the tournament, and that's how you're going to win games in the end. I think this is his best team that he's had at Texas. Oh, hands down. I mean, he's had big recruits, but I feel like the big recruits don't fit the bottom line of what he's been trying. This to is do. his kind of team right here. I I think they might make a tourney run, dude. There's going to be a lot of, they might, let's see the group of guards. They have to match up with game after game after game. True. That's going to be the biggest thing. Cause if they get worn down early on that sweet 16 matchup, they favor with could be a disaster. That's the way it is. Like sometimes. Once those brackets right. come out, it'll be a little bit more clear. Yes. And speaking of brackets, we're going to be doing a bracket breakdown show on Monday. Uh, Brian, you're going to be there, right? Oh, I'll be home. I'll nice. be here. So we will be breaking down the brackets that are released on Sunday. We will be picking every single game and we will be previewing or making educated guesstimations on every other game thereafter and who we eventually want to be champion. Obviously all of us will have different brackets, but it should be good. And we're announcing a big collaboration uh, contest with SSAW that will be out by then as well. So we'll be talking about that as well, but let's hop it. So who do you have winning the ACC Brian real quick? I'm still sticking with Florida state. I need You're to see Florida Lennon State. Hamilton win it. I want Lennon Hamilton to win it. <laughs> I'm still really with for. I'm still riding Virginia. That's a good squad. I picked Virginia to begin with, and we're gonna ride them out. So let's hop into the next bracket. Uh, we're gonna talk about the Pac-12. Um, for USC. <laughs> that's yeah. That's a good <clears throat> USC was a big sneaky, sneaky good dude. It worried me. That was the one team I like didn't want to face in this round. 
Colorado's about to play Cal. It's going to be a great game. Tune in if you're up late right now, uh, even though you're going to be listening to this tomorrow when the game's over. But if you do get to catch it, it's going to be a great game. Oregon fucking dog walked ASU. I was not – I did not think that was going to go down like that. And then Oregon State with the massive upset, 5-4, 83-79 over UCLA. So That's we got so Oregon, funny. Oregon UCLA State. fans are so mad. They should be. Like, you should see the UCLA Facebook group. You should see UCLA Twitter, man. It, they are frustrated. It is like <laughs> it is only imagine. Like, why does you why does UCLA still think they're like they're like the Notre Dame of college basketball? Like, bro, yeah, you made like eight straight Final Fours in like the 1960s. You made five straight with some talented teams ten years ago, but you're not that program now. Nope. Like you're pretty much, like even when Michigan is in football, like they just have to like rechange their strategy. Yep. Yeah, it's uh that was a ba- that's a bad loss. I did not see that happening. That is as bad a loss as Mickey Cronin's ever had in his coaching career. I would agree. Uh yeah. and obviously we're gonna have either USC versus Cal or Colorado. The one matchup that kind of worries me is oh, Colorado. Colorado a little bit. Based on uh, prior history, yeah. But Colorado away from home is not has not been a good team. So I, honestly, I think this Colorado Cal game is going to be a lot closer than people think it's going to be. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna take USC to the championship against Oregon. They obviously already beat Oregon. They beat Oregon pretty dominantly too. I don't think I like USC versus every team in this conference. Utah was actually the one team that I was a little worried about tonight i think they got by other, that at least and they did and dude the, i mean they were up eight. Shooting. they were up eight with four minutes to go so that's got they got to put teams away in that regard yeah they got to get better free throw shooting it's like evan mobley might be their best free throw shooter like just get him the ball <laughs> like <laughs> dude, much. just pass it into him and let him get fouled so i'm gonna I'm take usc here Are you riding with usc still brian i'm still riding with usc i wanted the battle of los angeles so screw ucla <laughs> I lost it's my over final. With. I lost my it's dream over final. Now, all right, we got to get to uh, the Big Ten, dude. Your conference, Ohio State Purdue. Is that That's tomorrow? That'll be on Friday. Yeah, that's a Friday game. And let me tell you, Purdue is one of those schools that, on the paper, they never seem to really look good on paper. But then when you watch Purdue and you go, "Damn, this is a well." run basketball team and that's the way Every it's been year. that program now granted my favorite big 10 team that's not an ohio state team in my history is a team that if robbie hummel were healthy that Purdue squad with Etwan moore and Jawan johnson oh that was a, nice a squad. that was a final four squad if Jawan johnson if uh, robbie hummel didn't get hurt in that january and i yeah. my heart broke and that was against ohio state i was watching yeah. that game literally on my phone and i go damn and then i had to explain to a kid i go yeah but this team right here is a final four team. Like, Absolutely. Ohio that State was a good team. That year. And that was when the big 10 literally had like four of the best nine teams in the country at one point. So that says a it's lot. how they now, were this year, bro. Yeah. And, but here's the thing. It's that Gonzaga and Baylor were just head and shoulders. And, and that's really like the scary part of it. Like as opposed yeah, to think- before where it's like Michigan state and Michigan were like at that level, Michigan obviously made the title game. The year that I'm talking about, that was the Trey Burke year, yeah. but um, the hard to believe that was that long ago. But now well, the Big the... Ten, like, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Finish. Finish what you're saying. 
Well, with the Big Ten now, it's like, you know, if Ohio State's not going to be in it from a selfish point of view, just give me Michigan, Illinois again. Yeah. No, I think that's like, I don't need the happen. rest of this tournament. Like, I don't need the rest of this tournament to prove that. I mean, I love Ohio State Purdue. I'll watch that for a third time this season. But we already know the inevitable is going to happen. And the winner of that game gets a number one seed. The loser will probably be a two. Yeah. No worse than a two. At this point. I don't know, dude. If it's if it's Michigan versus Illinois, I think even the loser of that game still gets a one seed at this point. I can't really see another dominant team that, like, deserves a one seed with a better resume yeah. than either of those teams, to be honest. Like, I wouldn't put – if Florida State wins, I wouldn't put them as a yeah, one seed. No, they have some bad losses. Them. I wouldn't Let's say put, if it's your case, like Virginia – I no. wouldn't put Virginia. Nah, I wouldn't. I Even can't. if the ACC gets completely like, I mean, all it takes is for them is for the 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 bracketeers, if you will, to look at the conferences a little differently than before. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it were me, like, yeah, Illinois is a definite like top five team in the country right now, and Michigan. Yeah, I, I mean, Michigan's been there all season, so I think both it, are pretty solidified in there. Yeah, I mean, actually, yeah, the, the two number one seeds could actually happen. Yeah. If Gillespie didn't I, get I hurt. I keep thinking, yeah, Gillespie didn't get hurt, Nova's probably a third locked. Yep, so, I agree. And even then, I still think UConn would have gave him a tough game. So Definitely, but I mean, if they were to win the Big East regular season and the Big East tournament, there's no yeah, way that's they're a not definite, a one seed. That's a definite resume. I mean, so, what if, um, yeah, no, actually, yeah. Yeah, because that's about right. Because even, like no sec teams coming close and yeah no you got a point there i think they're pretty much it's three versus four or even two based on how some te- people may feel about baylor maybe people, people may go hey the big 10's stacked i think the big so 12 is, the big is probably 12, a little though. better i would say the big 12 is better than the big 10 and i'm saying as a big 10 guy too like the top five teams in the big 12 boy could all go to the elite eight and i wouldn't be shocked the big 10 other than ohio state Illinois and Michigan, like, I'm not sold on the rest of that conference. There's a lot of question marks on every other team. Like, Purdue, I mean, it's just, like, Purdue, it's really, like, if they get the wrong matchup, it's a disaster for them. Like, yeah, but I mean, there are some teams. Those top three teams, I mean, dude, they're, like, three of the top eight teams in the country. Right. Like, outside of, like, if Illinois and Michigan end up matched up. If I look at this this way. If Illinois and Michigan match up with Gonzaga, at worst – Illinois loses by maybe 10 to 15 points. At worst, Michigan may lose by 5 to 10 points. And Ohio State, I don't think, can hang with Gonzaga. I mean, I love my Buckeyes, but that's not happening. Baylor might be a little bit better matchup for for Ohio State, but even then, I just don't. I'm not buying it. Like that, I'm not. I had different expectations going into this season. Like this season's already much better than the way I thought it would be, considering all the transfers that left last year and everything else. So I want to, Ohio State deserves kudos. That's why, for me as a Buckeye fan, I have a little bit more realistic goals. They're not there yet. Yeah, but with o- good, Illinois, though. but with Illinois, I'm always happy, even though technically they're a rival, but I'm happy that Illinois is back. The Orange Crush, if the fans were in the crowd in that game, I would give Illinois the advantage to win the Big Ten. The Orange Crush are amazing. Plus, I'll never openly root for the Michigan Wolverines. But objectively speaking, <laughs> Michigan is probably still the best team in the Big Ten. Jawan yeah. Howard's just a big, lovable dude. I can't hate on Jawan Howard, but that doesn't uh, mean I'm not. I'm they're like they have talent all around. They have a great point guard in Mike Smith, uh, Isaiah Livers, great player Dickinson. Yeah, can 
get rebounds, dominate the glass. I mean, the Dickinson-Kofi matchup, I need to see again. Yeah, no, it's going to be the big I know NBA scouts will be interested. NBA scouts will definitely be interested in that game. Yep, agreed. So who do you have winning the big big, uh, 10 still? Uh, I think Michigan still wins it. I mean, my heart wants Illinois, but it won't. I don't think it will work out that way. No, I still got. I still got Michigan. I got Michigan big. Uh, before we head into this last conference, I got to say the NFL season has come to an end. The 2020-2021 champs have been crowned, and if you're like me, you've been betting on the NFL all season long, and you might be wondering what's next. March Madness. That's why I like my bookie because no matter the sport or season, you can always win big. Now I'm talking nonstop action, 365 days a year, choose from thousands of lines on the NBA, NHL, UFC, and more because winning season never ends. When you play at my bookie, they truly have something for everyone and absolutely nobody does prop bets like my bookie. You can get action in on everything from celebrity divorce to the winner of the all Valley karate tournament. Yes, you can really bet on that. So if you know someone that writes for that show, please message me so I could put the right bet down. And with NCAA March Madness right around the corner, there couldn't be a better time to start building your bankroll. Do yourself a favor, get a head start. Sign up today with promo code TAPROOM and get your first deposit matched halfway up to a thousand bucks. That's free cash credited to your account instantly on top of your deposit. The best part is you always have access to the action, whether you're at home or on the go. Visit the website online today at mybookie.ag and use promo code TAPROOM to grab yourself a deposit bonus. Bet, win, and get paid at mybookie. All right, let's hop into the last conference uh, we're talking about before the brackets come out on Sunday. This is the final champion that will be crowned. So we got Alabama at Mississippi State tomorrow or today, March 12th, Florida versus Tennessee, Arkansas versus Missouri, and Ole Miss versus LSU. So who do you think ends up winning this conference? I think there's really only two teams that can win this conference, to be honest. Well, unless Tennessee decides to go like ham. Yeah. I mean, I I would say Alabama, I've been a fan of their success this year. I'm glad that they got their basketball program, like, ready to compete. Obviously, Kentucky losing to Mississippi State is hilarious. Coach Cal, take your sabbatical. You know, (laughs) have some time to yourself, bro. It's fine. But honest to God, I I would love to see Arkansas win the SEC, old-time sake. But I think Bama, we'll see. I mean, we'll see how Bama looks. If Bama has to play Arkansas again in the final, that would be fun. One-two. But um, that's what Tennessee, I want to see. But Tennessee in a semifinal, hmm. No, nah, they're gonna. Beat I don't Tennessee. have a lot of. Yeah, I don't have a lot of faith in Florida, but Alabama, Tennessee could be a sneaky matchup for them. Nate Oates has done a wonderful job here with Alabama. He used to coach Buffalo the year that Buffalo beat uh, DeAndre Ayton in Arizona. So, guy can coach his ass off. He's got good players in Herb Jones and Petty, uh, even SEC Player of the Year. I, I like Alabama to win this conference. I think that game that they lost to Arkansas was a fluke. I mean, Arkansas shot like 46 free throws, and that's not even a joke. Like, they literally shot 46 free throws compared to Alabama's nine. There's no right. way you're going to win like that. I like Alabama and the SEC. Um, this is the only other team I could see maybe getting a one seed, Brian, um, depending on how the – They would have to have two dominant victories here. Two dominant victories, and I think that uh, 
Illinois would have to Illinois or Michigan would have to lose tomorrow, but I still think Michigan, even if they lost tomorrow, would still be a one seed. If Illinois lost tomorrow, though, I could see Alabama jumping into that last and final number one seed. Yeah, it's plausible. Could happen. But what do you think? Who do you who do you like in here? You, you like Alabama too, or you like Arkansas? Um I know you're really not thinking about taking Tennessee. No, I mean it's just like no, nah, I'm, I'm Tennessee has made some weird like it, it it's they've had some history right. I mean we remember the yeah. Bruce Pearl teams obviously. You now they upset Ohio State in the tournament once or twice that I don't want to remember. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I mean that, that that's a sneaky semifinal matchup for Bama, and it's a rival. That's a big rival. Alabama Tennessee is. I mean, obviously in football, it's a different type of rivalry. Um, but, you know, I don't see Terrence Cody blocking a field goal at the end of the game here. You know, it's going to be something. Like, we need some basketball, like, drama in the SEC. Just something. We do. We don't have Kentucky there. Yeah, but Kentucky not being in as boring. People were waiting for Kentucky to croak. Now I it's like, it, let's dude. see. Let's see if we can get another big – let's see if we can get a big-time rivalry in the SEC. Like, when Florida was good – Kentucky was still blah, and all the attention was on Florida. Let's see if we can get like a two-team race. I mean, Alabama and Arkansas year. would be Alabama and Arkansas would be a legit rivalry for the next couple of years if Oates sticks around, and, and, and obviously Muscleman. he should. And and Musselman's a good coach too. I mean, if if Arkansas could get back to the Nolan Richardson era where they're recruiting well, like four or five star players, and they can get the twenty to twenty-five games a year and be two, three seed in the SEC every year. Yeah, they're going to be competitive because I don't think Kentucky's going to stay down for long. And yeah. even like, I mean, when LSU decides to decide what they're going to do with basketball, are they going to be good at basketball? Are they going to be average and be good once in a while? So we, I, that's another <laughs> school I'm still waiting to figure out what their direction is. But right now, I mean, Bama and Arkansas definitely lean that way. Obviously, Missouri too. Missouri has some history in basketball. They're kind of up and down. Like, what's their direction? So, I mean, it's not like the SEC has bad programs. They have good programs. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. I agree. But we're both taking Bama here. Yeah. All right, well, let's head to, you know, the end of the show. You know, we got a lot coming up. Um, Obviously, we're going to be on on Monday talking – a lot of uh you know bracketology and really dissecting the tournament and i think that's the show that everyone really wants to tune into we we wanted to jump on this week kind of give an update as to what's going on this week with conference tournaments happening and yeah man i'm i'm excited for march madness dude this is my favorite time of year brian this is like my super bowl yeah this is fun also because you get get a lot of weird upsets like um one that's going on in the patriot league i know we didn't mention that in the smaller leagues but uh leola marimount is a nine seed they beat number one navy and they went out and beat west point so um you know take that what you will (laughs) leola marimount but they went out and beat both armed forces school uh colgate went out and beat bucknell um and also bucknell who upset lafayette so i mean Bucknell's a usual basketball program. It's not like Loyola, Maryland's like strangers in that in, in the sense of like they're small, but Colgate might win that game, but Loyola, Maryland winning would be, that would be something, a nine seed winning that, that league. I mean, we saw Drexel yeah. as a six seed. I, I That Northeastern game literally started out with like, Telford was hot. He had 11 of the first 14 points in the whole game. And then Northeastern just <clears throat> in the second half. So, basketball is rooting for Loyola, Maryland. Runs. Yeah. You're rooting for Loyola, Maryland? 
Let's hopefully they can pull off that upset. There we go. There we go. All right, y'all. Thank you for tuning in. We will definitely see y'all on. Okay, we'll be releasing that show on Tuesday morning. So definitely tune in for that. We're going to be having a contest as well. You can see the contest at www.taproomsportspodcast.com. You can follow me at Jordan Rules TSP on Twitter. You can follow Brian at the Spin Zone BL. I'm sure he'll be retweeting it as well. Um, yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited for this, excited for this week. We will definitely be catching y'all next week. Tap in with us. Big, big tournament action going on this Sunday. Can't wait, man. I'll see you on Monday, Brian, to record that show. All these girls you see around, I already took them down. That's that shit I've been on. It's a huddle, guys. It's a huddle. Huddle, Latin for round. Come on, turn around. All right, there you go. All right, now, communication is the key. I signal the quarterback with the play. He relates it to you in the huddle, and then we try it on the field. Okay, let's do it. Okay, guys, it's a curl out to the fullback on two. Hey, 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 wait a second. How come you never call a play for me? You're a tackle, diphead. Hey, nobody calls me a diphead except my brother. Guys, 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 wait, wait, wait. I'll just run the ball. You always run the ball. Why can't I run the ball? Because you're slow and no one likes you. Well, you can't go to my birthday. Oh boy. Okay, guys, that was good for a first time. Let's try it again. Need to get prepared for the NFL weekend? Join us on APR, the annexation of Puerto Rico, an ode to the Little Giants movie of 1994 starring Ed O'Neill and Rick Moranis, a new football podcast brought to you by Taproom Sports Podcasts. It features Taproom Sports Podcast hosts Jordan Stacks on Stacks on Stacks Lats and Big Ballin' Ben Larson. Joined by Weekend Waiver Wires, Steady Eddie Martin, and me, Tiffany, from Picks by Chicks, as we preview the upcoming week slate of games from a betting and fantasy point of view. Visit taproomsportspodcast.com for more information.